This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology show. Your host, Meryl Vandermerva, loves using technology to streamline her life and to make lessons more engaging. She is a graduated homeschool mom and teaches homeschoolers at her local co-op classes and online at fundafundaacademy.com. Whether you are tech-challenged or someone who loves technology, this show is for you. And here's your host, Meryl Vandermerva. Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling with Technology podcast. This is your host, Meryl van der Merwe, and today in episode 126, we're going to continue where we left off last week and look at how to modify online curriculum for special needs students. And again, I'm going to welcome our guest, Lindsay Leviska, who's going to be coming and sharing with us all the things that she knows about this topic. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me again. I appreciate it. So just a quick um, reminder that Lindsay, you can find her at a heart for all students, and she has a podcast with the same name, the link to that and anything else that she mentions during this episode, you can find those all at homeschoolingwithtechnology.com where the show notes are. Um, I also want to say if you didn't listen to Lindsay's episode last week, please just stop right now and go back and listen to that first and then come back because that does prepare you for what she's going to speak about today. And this last week, just to um, remind those of you who were listening, Lindsay talked about the different variables to consider when choosing online curriculum. And now she's going to carry on this week and give you some tips for what you as a parent can do to help your child be successful. And I just want to remind you before she starts, um, as somebody who, you know, provides online curriculum, that as a parent, you should be reaching out to your online curriculum provider if you're using classes that are going to be graded by teachers. So whether it's a live class or um, like Funder Funder Academy, the show sponsor, our classes are asynchronous, but we do grade. And so we're giving feedback to your child. We're looking at what their work is. Um, they're interacting with other students in the classes, et cetera. We need to know what the issues are. And this is the time that it's appropriate for a parent to reach out before classes start, tell the teacher if you need modifications and see what they can do to help you because we are very happy to help you and you'll find that with most online providers. So that is the background, let's jump straight in. Lindsay, what can parents do to help their students when they're using online curriculum? Great, well, um, so, one thing that we find, and I know you and I spoke about this just briefly earlier, um, is that a lot of times parents will choose an online curriculum, whether it's live or it's a self-paced course, or it's just some sort of online or digital teaching tool. And they'll think, okay, now that I have this online tool, now I can leave and now I'm done. Now my kid's on their own and they're going to be great because we've got this great curriculum. And the problem with having that app, that mindset is that a lot of times our kids, whether or not they have a learning um, disability or they have any sort of diagnosis, our kids are still kids. And so it's really important to start shifting our thinking to looking at online curriculum and different technology uh, learning resources as tools, as opposed to the teacher. And so I like to look at um, online curriculum and those digital tools as a teaching tool that I kind of use to support my child. Now, that doesn't mean you have to sit there every single time. And we'll kind of talk about how this works. Um, but I tend to, um, for online curriculum that I have chosen, like, for example, 
I, I brought it up last week. I'm doing doing it again now because right now I'm using CTC math with my middle and my oldest daughter. And um, with that particular curriculum and with other curriculums like that, I will sit with my child, particularly if it's a concept or a math concept that is more challenging for them, or if I suspect that this is going to be more challenging for them. I typically sit with my student um, and I will watch the video teaching together. So even if I'm using um, like, for example, my oldest daughter is using uh, the great courses right now. We're using that streaming service in order to do uh, an entire semester on the Black Death in the Middle Ages. And so I watch those videos with her um, anywhere where I know my child's going to be weak. So for math in particular, going back to math, I'll sit with my child and we'll watch that video. And what I like about the CTC videos, and I brought this up last time, is that they're very, very short. They're to the point. And they are very visually clear for the child. Um, there's not a lot of clutter um, confusing the child. The child can, their brain can really zero in on what's most important, which is the math problem at hand. So I will pause a video. So we'll watch a few minutes of the teaching. Then I'll pause the video and I'll have a dialogue with my child. Did you understand? Let's talk about this. What did he just say? What did he just teach you? Um, and I want to understand, and the reason I do that, regardless of if it's math or if it's English or if it's anything, you know, history or more um, thematic based, is the reason I do that is because by verbally processing together, I know that my child is starting to understand. If she can communicate what she heard, it's just like narration. A lot of people like use narration in that Charlotte Mason circle. If you can communicate what you've heard, mm -hmm. you're going to be that much more farther along and understanding the concept. And so I'll pause videos at appropriate intervals and I'll check for understanding. Um, again, this is super important for kids that struggle with speech and language and auditory processing. Um, you don't have to have a diagnosis of auditory processing disorder or a working memory disorder for your child to be struggling with that. We as adults, we spoke last time, uh, Meryl, about the fact that we can be um, very, very busy and you know, the, the kitchen is a, is a mess, you're making dinner, you got one kid crying, the phone rings, and then you have one child come up to you while you're busy, say, mom, mom, can I go eat ice cream before dinner? And you say, oh, sure, honey, sure. And then you're like, wait, what? That has to do with hearing the language, <laughs> but not processing the language. And this <laughs> happens all the time. So you do not need a diagnosis of a particular disorder for you not to have processed the language which you have heard. And so that's why it's super important, particularly for a lecture or something where you want your child to hear the new teaching, to press pause and have a dialogue about it. It's much more active and it's very, very helpful. Um, and then we would continue working if we're specific to doing math, we will, can, I'll just unpause it and we will work through every problem in the teaching together. So that doesn't mean we're going through every single problem in the assignment, but in the teaching, when the new concept is being taught, we'll walk through, I'll press pause. We walk through step-by-step. Step. Okay. What do we do next? We go step-by-step step through each problem. Um, I tend to also recommend that and again, this is going to be specific to your child. You know if your child struggles with math. If you have a child who doesn't struggle with math and they're flying through, you don't need to do this. But it's a way to utilize a, an outside curriculum as a tool to help bridge the gap between you and your child so that your child can better receive that math concept or whatever concept it is that you want to teach them. So again, uh, speaking to CTC, once we pause to go over like a math problem, 
I highly, highly recommend using, um, and this goes back to visual processing. Again, Meryl said we need to go back to the previous episode to really go through the different variables you need to consider about how kids learn and what's best for a curriculum. But when we're working on a math problem, I highly recommend if your child struggles to use one math problem per piece of paper, or if you're concerned about trees, get some small whiteboards and use one math problem in large font per paper or whiteboard. And that's typically how we work through new math concepts um, together. The reason you wanna do that is because the brain has to receive and process information from all the different sensory systems. And so the, the visual system, the brain has to tease through all that it sees. Okay, it has to tease through everything that it's receiving from what's in front of it. So if you have a blank piece of paper, that white space helps the brain zero in on that, which is most important, which is these, these math problems. If you have 50 math problems on one sheet of paper, a child's brain can see a number from a different math problem, you know, five inches away. And that brain will actually process, could sometimes process it if it's difficult, if it's a difficult concept for your child. It happens all the time. We don't even realize it. So sometimes when kids make silly mistakes or we say, oh, you're being lazy or you're just rushing. A lot of times it's that the brain receiving, a, receiving the wrong piece of information because there's too much clutter, visual clutter in front of them. So I tend to always recommend if your child struggles with math, regardless of the curriculum you're using, if they struggle one math problem in large text on a piece of paper and work through it with them together until the concept is more fluent. It's very, very helpful. It makes it go by, even though it seems like it goes slower, it's actually in the long run going to pay off dividends and it'll be a much more effective way to teach your child those concepts. Um, again, you're going to modify your involvement based upon um, your child's emotional needs, um, particularly our kids that are getting into those tween years or teen years, sometimes they're more self-conscious about receiving support from their parents. So again, you're going to have to um, balance that. It is a delicate balance, um, but it will always depend on your child's learning needs and emotional needs. So I always modify my level of involvement based upon where my child is and what they need. Um, other variables you want to consider um, is in the moment. And so a lot of times parents, we don't realize this and teachers don't realize this, but you will be working with a child and you know that yesterday they understood the concept, whatever it was. But today they're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know it. And they're stressed out. They're actually 99.9% .9 of the time they're telling the truth. Um, how a child is emotionally feeling at that time, how an adult feels, if you're stressed, if you're having anxiety, um, that impacts your ability to communicate. And so if you just understood a math problem or a formula or a concept in science yesterday, but that was the first time you really mastered it, you haven't mastered it yet. It hasn't become fluent. It hasn't gone. It has not transferred from short-term memory to long-term memory. And that takes some time. So you need to consider if your child is feeling stressed out, emotional, their cognitive ability and their cognitive capacity is going to be lower at that time. So you'll know that sometimes I'll need to offer more supports. Sometimes I can pull back. It'll just depend on variables, including their emotions at the time. Um, particularly kids with special needs, they struggle with feeling good enough. They struggle with learning. So they already feel like I'm going to fail. And we all know, even as adults, if we feel insecure about something, 
it's going to be that much harder to motivate and sometimes do well. So we really want to be aware of what's going on in our child's headspace before we start working with them and before we start intervening. You know, every child, my, my kids are going to be different. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, um, yeah, I was just going to say, we can just sort of move on to just also talking about removing learning barriers. Sure. Um, so... For example, removing learning barriers. Okay, so one thing is if your child, uh, whether it's math or it's spelling or it's writing, scribing for the child. So if your child struggles with penmanship, uh, whether or not they have a dysgraphia diagnosis, remove that barrier. Penmanship is not fluent in the brain most often when we're asking kids to write things down. So scribe for your child, write the math problems out, have your child tell you um, how to spell these spelling words and you write them down. By doing that, you're removing that fit, that extra barrier. Because if your goal is for your child, for example, to learn the spelling words, learn how to spell, then you have to. And if they're struggling with that writing piece, if removing that writing piece helps them to move forward in their ability to hear sounds and spell correctly, then that's what you want to do. You always want to focus on what the objective is of that lesson. Um, I love to have um, kids tell me the steps involved. Um, so for like a math problem, if we're working through like long division, like long division includes so many different types of math skills, multiplication, subtraction, visually processing. There's lots of lots of working memory. There's so many things happening in long division. So um, where in the beginning, I might model a math problem for the child. Now, the next step might be to have your child tell me. So I have my child tell me, okay, what do I do next? And have them retrieve from their memory the next step in the process and tell it to me. And I'll just do what they say. So first I model, then I have them tell me what to do and I'll write it down for them. Um, and that gets them to that next step of understanding. Um, I like to, again, you slowly hand over the reins step by step with your child. Um, I also, for like my older child and that specific, I talked a lot about math, but again, like for this history course that we're doing right now, we do a lot of, if, if, if the presenter presents something, um, and it's only orally, we will press pause on the video and I will say, all right, let's pull out the map and let's look at the map. So use a lot. Don't just think of like leaving your child. Now, sometimes you're going to have to, like I have children with special needs. I get it. It is exhausting and you have to do all the things, but I would recommend always circle back. Always, you know, if you don't want to press pause during the video, take notes as the child's, um, you know, watching the video, maybe you take notes or have them write down, make sure your child is taking notes, depending upon your child, just by having a pen and paper in hand and having them physically write down even keywords that they hear. It will help them re-engage and it'll activate um, that prefrontal cortex, which is the area of the brain that we need engaged in order to learn and integrate and process new concepts and skills and stuff like that. So <clears throat> my biggest takeaway with uh, online curriculum is to really understand that it's a tool, just like everything else. It's a tool that we need to use um, in order to serve the best interests of your particular child, regardless of your child's age, regardless of what the kid up the street is learning. You always have to kind of look at what is my, where's my child at and what's their next step. And even if that step is baby step is, if even if everybody else in the world 
if that if their kid can watch a video from a screen and get all the problems correct or spell all the words correctly, that's not who your child is. And you have to go back to the next, the very, very next step and support them that way. Um, so I just like to use a lot of these, these as tools as opposed to just, you know, checking out. Um, and that's super, super helpful. I love to do this stuff with, with them. So it's, it's fun to learn alongside my children. Right. And the cool thing about so much of what you've said is it really applies to most children in some other way, because I know that we use the great courses as well with my, with my, with um, my teens and they, they are like, you know, college level material. And so I also watched with my kids who didn't have any particular um, problems in, in learning, but I knew if I just put them in front of that for half an hour, uh, it wasn't going to go all that well. So I used to do my ironing and watch um, like linguistics was one of the classes that we did. And so we would do it and then I would discuss it with them afterwards. And, you know, it was the same thing. I wanted to make sure they were actually paying attention, um, you know, that we could actually, you know, just go over it. And, you know, as you say, maybe look things up, maybe look for some visuals, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, so I think in, in my own classes, I also try to, instead of doing tests, because I don't like tests, <laughs> your idea of getting the kids to like tell back, yes. you know, that is just basically a form of you know, doing projects. You know, the very simple form is just this, stopping the video and saying, tell me what you learned. Mm-hmm. But in a bigger way, you know, when I'm looking to, you know, have something that I can grade kids on, instead of giving them a test, you know, you so show them a lot of stuff and say, okay, now you produce a poster that encapsulates what you've learned here or, you know, something like that, which is a creative way of telling back. Um, And, you know, that's, I think that's far better than trying to cram for a test. But you're so so much more engaged. Engagement alone, we remember that which we enjoy. I mean, we really do. So right. That's, that's so my whole concept that, you know, make learning fun and engaging. I mean, that's the name mm-hmm. of my company, Funder Funder. <laughs> Literally, it, yeah, it no. means study, study. But the concept there is have fun while you're studying. You know, it should be engaging. And, you know, it should be something that applies to real life. And that's the thing, you know, when you're stopping and talking about things, it gives you those opportunities to do that. Absolutely. And it keeps you involved. I think what what one of the big takeaways here is obviously if you have a special needs student, you're going to have to spend more time. And as you say, I have no idea what that looks like, what you do. Yes. However, that general concept of as homeschooling parents, the concept is we are homeschooling our kids, being involved in their lives. And I think a, a mistake so many parents make, even when they don't have special needs kids, is to say, well, you know, here's the online curriculum, whether it's self-paced, whether it's an online teacher, whether it's asynchronous, whatever it is, here you go now you're on your own. And I think that's a mistake because we're still the ones that are in charge of um, the education. We're still the ones that need to be sure it's appropriate, that it's working for them, they don't need modifications, um, they don't need you to, you know, come alongside them. And this this applies to in the high school because that's what I, the age I teach mostly is high school. They still need you, moms. <laughs> they might not want you. They might not think they do, but they do. They do. And, and just to speak to your point real quick is the... Uh, when you leave someone to their own devices and they do not get the opportunity to process aloud, we, 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 for, we do not realize how important conversation is. Dialogue is the foundation. Speaking orally is the foundation of mm-hmm. all language-based 
including reading. Language is so important. And so just to chew on something verbally and have a meaningful conversation changes everything long-term learning. We want them to long-term learn. And, and you is- know, it doesn't have to be even, you know, a formal thing. Obviously you could no. do it and stop whatever, but we would do a lot of our conversation in the car driving around. I'd say, yeah. you know, what did you do today? Some, you know, maybe, because obviously I, I mean, I had four kids. I couldn't be watching yes. everything, everything they were of doing course. at the same time, yeah. but we would do it over dinner. My husband would say, okay, so what did you learn today? And then we'd end up having a big argument about how good a president Abraham Lincoln was. I remember that night. You know, we do it as we're cooking supper together, as we're cleaning supper together. You know, if you're naturally kind of saying, well, what did you learn? And you're talking through it and then you're finding, you know, as things come up, you're finding ways to apply it. That's when homeschooling is so crazily um, fantastic. And that's when your kids really get ahead. Absolutely. And just because I don't want anyone to walk away feeling defeated. I don't want to, this is like the last thing and I'll leave, uh, I'll stop talking. But going back to working through, like even how I work with CTC, I do not do this with every single lesson. This is when we hit a a traffic jam and and my child is coming to me saying, mom, I am struggling. And so that might be a week of, you know, long division seems to just kick kids you know, it is tough and because there's so many moving parts to it. And so that's literally a lot of times it's just like that first lesson or two in a new concept. And then I'm off on my own, but my chat, my kids go farther when we back up and just slow down those and support them in those little things in the beginning. And then I'm not saying every single lesson, do not feel defeated. You cannot do that. That's crazy. I just mean in general, if your child's struggling. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming and sharing all this. And I really hope that you, my listeners, are going to go and look at her website, A Heart for All Students, and go listen to her podcast because, you know, there is just so much that she knows and can help you with if you are struggling in any way, even if it's, you know, your child hasn't got any major um, learning disorder I think that there are different areas where all our children struggle and all these ideas that she's given will really help no matter what the struggles are that you're going through. So Lindsay, thanks so much for coming back and uh, finishing off the topic this week. It was a blessing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you listeners. I will see you again, same time, same place next week. Thanks for tuning in to Homeschooling with Technology with Meryl Vandermerva. Visit her at fundafundaacademy.com and homeschoolingwithtechnology.com. Homeschooling with Technology is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.